Welcome back to Bible Time. Yesterday we studied the call of God. We're going to carry on in our study here in the Scriptures. The Word of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now from there we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians, and most of our study today will be um, from this passage in 2 Corinthians and other passages of Scripture that we want to look at. We're going to continue on the subject of the call of God, um, 2 Corinthians 5.18. There's really so much here that there is just too much to, to just bypass and to go by, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. And let's look at verse 17 to get the context. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So here are two parts that you see in this very text. It says all things are of God. How many of you got that? All things are of God. How many of you say that, yes, that's true? That is true. All things are of God. So salvation is of God. All the work of salvation, the creation of a new creature is of God. How many of you, when you were babies, birthed yourselves? How many of you birthed yourselves? How many of you fed yourselves? How many of you grew yourselves in the mother's womb? How many of you developed your own, yourselves developed themselves? How many of you are self-created beings? How come we have this idea in Christendom that a Christian is a self-created Christian, that he can will himself into the kingdom of heaven, that he can believe himself by force of intellect into the kingdom of heaven, that he can um, feel himself into the kingdom of heaven through emotion, emotional highs, and yet nothing in this whole world or in the Bible substantiates such a claim. It says all things are of God. All things are of God. Salvation is of the Lord. Jesus said ye must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That means God Almighty has to do something supernatural. Nicodemus asked the obvious question, and this is how ridiculous our religious efforts work in God's eyes. Can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And when you try to come to God and make yourself saved through your religious effort, your theological effort, your intellectual effort, your emotional effort, your willful effort, you are doing in the eyes of heaven the equivalent of trying to force yourself back into your mother's womb, which is absolutely ludicrous and obscene. And that's how it appears to God. Ludicrous and obscene and offensive. And in the process of trying to force yourself into a born-again position through force of intellect, will, or emotion, you will violate many biblical truths and many biblical doctrines, and you will be guilty of many sins in your attempts to try and please God in your own strength salvation is of God. And it says here in verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Where did you see you in that? Where, where is you? Find you in verse 18. And all things are of God. Are you there? Are you in those words right there? All things are of God. I didn't find me. Did you find you? Who hath reconciled us 
Wait a second. Did you find you yet? Yep, right there, the us. And so what are us doing? And yes, I'm butchering English, but I'm doing it on purpose. So bear with me. Who hath reconciled us to himself. So what did us do in that verse? What is, the, uh, what is us doing to be saved there? It says, all things are of God who hath reconciled us. Who did the reconciling? God. Who did he reconcile us to? Himself. How did he reconcile us to himself? By Jesus Christ. If your salvation can give you any credit, you have not got salvation. The salvation in the word of God that is available to mankind by which we have the promise of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord is a salvation that we can take absolutely no credit in. It is not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. You say, but the Bible says to believe and have faith. That is not a work. And if your idea of belief and faith can be classified as a work, you have a unbiblical belief and an unbiblical biblical faith. Do you hear me today? You've erred in the definition of terms if you think that faith or belief are works and the reality is you do not understand faith and you don't understand belief or you would understand that they are not works. So here he says that God hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So it says all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by his son Jesus Christ. Again, it says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So now there is something that is given to us that God has done by himself. And that, that's a mystery. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Did you hear that today? What has God committed unto us? The word of reconciliation. So now we have a part as born again believers in the reconciliation of the world. And how do we have that part? The same way Christ had that part. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God must be in us, working through us, reconciling the world to himself through us, or it's not a work of God. God. That's what we've got to have. Now he says here that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then in verse 19, it says that God hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now that's the call of God, just so that we can just get this down to brass tacks right off the, right off the break. That's the call of God. God has given, has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You say, you say, so you're preacher, you're saying that, that a man is, is speaking as the word of God. Isn't that blasphemy? Let's go back to Thessalonians. Hold your place in Corinthians. We've got to get past this mental roadblock that has crippled the church in our day. From 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 2. And this is Paul, Silvanus, and Timotheus speaking. And he says in verse 13, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us. 
Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Whenever a man of God is speaking with the anointing of God, God is speaking through the man of God. That same man of God may try and go order an ice cream cone later in the afternoon and speak as a man. And his word will be as a man. And this is the stumbling block of the foolishness of preaching. Because here goes a sinner and they see a man who's a used car salesman and he's arguing with somebody on the car lot about a price for a vehicle. He's ordering food at the burger shop. He's sitting down and wiping the food off his face that he made a mess with. He laughs at a something silly that somebody says and then he turns around and says, but did you know that the Bible says and starts to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if that man has the anointing of God on him, then God will witness through that man while he's saying the word, not in letter only, but by ministration of the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit of God. And this lost man is looking at the guy that just had mustard on his face and was just eating an ice cream cone and just a minute ago was laughing over something silly. And now this man is speaking the word of God. And so the average lost man will stumble at this stumbling stone and will fall because of the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching does not mean that the subject matter is foolish. It does not mean that the call is foolish. It does not mean that the man is foolish to be a preacher. The foolishness of preaching enters in because of the foolishness of the preacher. And if you are a human being, you are foolish at some time and some place of your life. None of us are immune from a little foolishness and a little folly. He's seen the man make mistakes. He's heard the man tangle up his words. The man might even tangle up his words when he's trying to start to talk to him about the gospel. And yet whenever he speaks to him the very word of God about salvation and the Holy Spirit of God ministers the truth of the word of God to that other man, that man is being called by our gospel. And we looked at that verse yesterday where the word of God clearly states that ye are called by our gospel. The gospel of Jesus. Jesus Christ, anointed by the Holy Spirit of God, is the call of God unto salvation. And the mouthpiece that God uses to issue the call is almost always a human representative because God has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. You say, I don't like that. I'm sorry you don't like God's word. I really am. I hope you'll repent and turn from your wicked pride and get right with God. This is God's word. I'm not saying that I'm right in all of my opinions about it, but what I'm presenting to you today is God's word, and I hope you'll receive it not as the word of men, but as the word of God. And if in the middle of this thing I get off on a tangent and start speaking as a man, you better be able to discern that. The only way you will is if you're in your Bible and know your Bible. And by the way, you better get that. You better get in your word and know it because every preacher is susceptible to getting off on a tangent and speaking as a man in the midst of his dissertation as he speaks for God from the word of God. And you know, and you ought to know by now that I am not speaking of some kind of extra biblical revelation. Whenever I bring the word of God and God, the Holy Spirit is anointing that word, then God himself is speaking through me when that happens. And it does happen. And I thank God that it happens. And I absolutely deserve none, none such privilege as for God almighty to use me as a vessel. 
The Bible talks about his witnesses as being golden pipes through which the holy oil flows. And I deserve absolutely no credit for those times that God has in his divine providence allowed me to be a conduit for his word to someone else. And I hope and pray today that he will make me so today. Father, please do so. Please make me a conduit, just a golden pipe through which the holy oil flows. Let your Holy Spirit, I pray, minister the word of God to the hearers and minister grace to the hearers through your word in Jesus' name. And we'll thank you for it and give you all the credit in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God's got to be in you reconciling the world unto himself for you to do the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus Christ did the ministry of reconciliation with God in him reconciling the world to himself by Jesus Christ. And we must do the ministry of reconciliation by God in us reconciling the world to himself by Jesus Christ. We are not greater than the master. What makes you think that you can do Jesus's ministry without the means by which Jesus did his ministry? You think you're greater than Jesus is the problem. And the Bible says that we ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. So in verse 20, he says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So here is the call of God going out, praying you in Christ's stead, asking you, beseeching you to beseech means to ask as nicely and as sweetly and as convincingly as possible to all but beg someone. He's saying, We beseech you in Christ's stead. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And we will get back to that in just a moment here. Um, For now, we are going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Romans. Now, the call of God is often mistaken because it comes through the voice of a man, just as we said. Listen, stop waiting on some extra biblical experience and look to Christ for salvation. We have people in some of our churches that say, well, I would get saved if God would call me. And they sit there listening to the preacher preach the gospel with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they refuse to move. And there's a little moving and a tugging in their heart and they won't move because they want God to call them the way that they want God to call them. You see, this is the whole point of the foolishness of preaching. The foolishness of preaching takes all the glory away from man. And you don't get to make God call you the way that you want God to call you. I remember a story that I read, a testimony of a man who was getting saved in the 1830s. And in the particular town that he was getting, um, that his salvation was at stake where he, um, there where he lived in that town, uh, this, a lot of people had gotten saved in the woods. 
A lot of people had come under conviction for their sin and they went out in the woods and found a place alone with God and wrestled it out with God and wrestled with their own human understanding and wrestled with their own human will and wrestled with their human intellect until they found a place of rest in the finished work of Christ and the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God and the assurance of God flooded their souls and they knew that they were saved and they would come back to town shouting glory to God and share the testimony of what God had done for them. And here in this town, there was a man who was a churchgoer, and many of the churchgoers were getting saved in this particular time of revival. And this man that was a churchgoer, he came under conviction of sin. And through the preaching of the gospel, he realized that he was lost. Listen, let's just cut right through to the chase. That's the call of God. A man will not recognize his need for the Savior until God draws him. If he recognizes his need, God has drawn him. If he wants to be saved, if a sinner says, I am a sinner and I need to be saved, it is because God the Father has drawn him, the Holy Spirit has convicted him, and he is being called by God if he is doing it in with a obviously with a sincere heart. Now, who are you to be able to tell who's sincere and not? Good luck with that one. Just get rid of that junk. Get that out of your mind. Obviously, if somebody comes and they're like laughing it off and ha ha, I need to get saved so I can go back to the bar and drink booze with my buddies and not go to hell. That's obvious. But aside from that, you aren't the Holy Ghost and I'm not the Holy Ghost. And let's give him his job back and start trying to say, stop trying to say who's really sincere and who's not. Because the fact is we don't know. That's not our job. Our job is to be his witnesses and to represent him accurately and correctly. So here is this man and he wanted, he came under conviction of his sin and he wanted to be saved, but he was a little bit chagrined by this whole trip to the woods thing. And he was a townsman and he didn't need to go to the woods. So he said, I'm going to go get saved at church. So he pushed off the dealings and promptings of God in his heart. And he didn't even say it that way. I kind of added it in, but I know that that's what was happening happening. God was dealing with him and prompting him and he wouldn't go off to the woods to get right with God. He said, I don't have to go to the woods. I can go to the church house and I can go up there and at the church house I can make peace with God. Maybe I I can't remember, but I think he wanted to go up to the old altar. And so he wanted to do it that way. And he went up to church and it was dead and flat and he was getting nothing. Now the word was there and the anointing on the preacher was there, but God was not anointing that man's heart. And this is, some of you are going to accuse me of all kinds of things because you haven't heard me out. And I just ask God to have mercy on you for judging before the time. But in any case, the call of God as, as it goes out to the world is different from the call of God as it strikes an individual. And the call of God to the world to be saved and the call of God to the individual to be saved being two separate things, this man was under conviction of the Holy Spirit. God was drawing him, and he did not move because he wanted to go to church and get saved, but at church God wouldn't deal with him. At church, he had nothing. At church, his spirit was cold and dead and faithless, and he did not have anything in him to even try to speak to God with. 
So he went home perplexed, and then God began to deal with him. And all the night, God dealt with him, and all the next day, God dealt with him, and he kept thinking about going out in the woods and how undignified that was, and he would stop, and he would resist the Holy Spirit, and he waited, and he said, I'm going to go back to the church meeting tonight and get saved. And he went back to the church meeting, it was cold and flat, and he could not do anything. He could not deal with God. Though he knew in his heart he was a sinner, he could not move. Because God was resisting him. The Bible says God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And you better find the application of that in salvation because that is its primary application. That it should be made, even though that was spoken to believers. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. That man had a pride problem. Well, he went back to the house, and God started dealing with him. And this went on for more than a week. And after a week of this going on, one day sitting in his house, the Holy Spirit was dealing with him, and he jumped up, and he said something to the effect of, I've had all I can take of this. And he ran out in the woods, and he jumped down on his face in the brush, and no sooner did he hit the ground, God saved him. He didn't even have time. He thought he was going to go out there and weep and cry and shout and make a big ado and pray through and all this kind of stuff. And by the time he hit the briar patch, God saved him. Hallelujah. He came running back into town, shouting glory to God in the highest. Something to that effect. Now, listen, it's time to grow up in our estimation of God and our understanding of salvation. So the call of God is often mistaken because it comes through the voice of a man. We want God to save us on our terms. We want God to save us in the way that we are comfortable with. We want God to save us at the tent meeting. Or maybe we want God to save us at the altar. Or maybe we want God to save us at the house. Wherever your point of pride is, let me, let me give you a promise here today. Whatever your point of pride is, that is where the Holy Ghost is going to camp. Right there. Because God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And whatever your point of pride is, is exactly where the Holy Ghost is going to camp. And until you come to God relinquishing your pride in true contrition and humility, God isn't going to move a step. You say, oh, I can get saved without crying tears. Good luck. Tell me when you're done. It's going to be a while. Oh, I can get saved without going up to the altar. Good luck. It's going to be a while. You just told me where your stronghold is. That's what you're doing. You're telling me what your stronghold is. Oh, I can get saved without a tent meeting. I can get saved in my fishing boat. Oh, I can get saved in the woods. I don't need to get saved at the church. Oh, I can get saved in my pew. I don't need to go up to the altar. Listen, it, none of that stuff matters. What matters is our pride. What matters is our heart. And God sees our heart. And so while we get stuck looking on the outside, God's looking on the inside. And what God often does through the call of God is that he will anoint a preacher and someone in that group will be sitting there listening to the preacher preach the gospel. And God, the Holy Spirit, will be working on their heart and they will know that something's wrong and they need to move but they won't move because they're looking at a man instead of God and they're refusing to receive the word as it is from God instead of from man 
They refuse to yield to God. But guess what God's going to do? Whenever you resist the Holy Ghost in an area, God is going to deal with you in that area until he stops dealing with you. You are either going to push God off until you go to hell or you are going to yield to God in that area. God is not a man. God doesn't operate like a man. God's not out here wringing his hands saying, oh no, how am I going to get enough saints to come to my wedding feast? How am I going to get enough to fill the house? He's going to get enough. God knows you are his. My sheep hear my voice and they follow my call. And a stranger's voice they will not know. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. God is going to furnish his table with guests. With or without you. Now the, what's going to happen is going to prove whether or not you're one of those. One of the elect. It just gets thick, doesn't it? That's because it deals with God's side and man's side. As we noted yesterday, grace is one arm of the cross and faith is the other arm of the cross. And grace and faith are what is required for salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. A graceless faith and a faithless grace will land a sinner in the lake of fire for eternity. Hallelujah. Why hallelujah? For truth. That's why. I'm not hallelujah and somebody getting thrown in the lake of fire. I'm saying hallelujah because God has given us the truth. And the truth will make you free. You say hallelujah when you turn the light on in a bad situation, even though it's still a bad situation, don't you? Because at least now you've got the light. And that's what I say today. Hallelujah. Because God has turned on the light. Go to Romans 10 quickly. Stop waiting on some extra biblical experience and look to Christ for salvation. Oh, I haven't heard God tell me I'm lost. Oh, I haven't heard this. Oh, I didn't hear it this way. I didn't get a tingle that way. I didn't get this and get that. Just seek him with all your heart. Run hard after him. Follow hard after him. You know, the people that, listen to me, there's two types of people that aren't saved. There's people that don't know they're lost. And they're not saved. And they're happy in their condition. And then there's people that know they're lost. And they're unhappy in their condition. If you're here today and you know you're lost. Then you've got the first part already handled. And you just need to run to Jesus. The Bible says, look unto me and be saved all ends of the earth. And you say, well what if it doesn't work this time? Then keep trying. Keep trying not to save yourself, but to get through to God. What is holding you up could be a whole number of things that are hard to even get into and hard to understand, but it's most likely something like what held that other man up, just some kind of hidden pride or something that you've got to relinquish. And how do you do that? We're going to look at that today. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is getting discombobulated. Let's go to Romans 10.8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we pray preach did you hear that today is this is saying but the righteousness which is of faith look at verse six speaketh on this wise say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring christ down from above or who shall descend into the deep that is to bring up christ again from the dead he's saying stop looking try stop trying to bring christ down from heaven to make him do something to show you stop trying to bring christ up from the dead stop trying to look for some kind of extra biblical revelation of christ oh i haven't heard this oh 
oh, I haven't seen this. Oh, I haven't done this. I need to do. I need to see. I need to hear to be saved. No, you need to believe the word of God. It says, look at chapter 10 and verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. He's saying, here is the call of God. Would you hear the call of God? Do you want to hear the call of God? It is, is it your desire to be saved? Then get under the preaching of the gospel and listen with all your heart and seek God with all your heart and desire him with all your heart and pray to him with all your heart until he comes to you in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And by the way, don't let anybody ever tell you you're saved. But God, but God, don't you let anybody ever tell you you're saved, but God, God says that he'll tell you. He comes with much assurance, the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is shed forth in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, and bearing witness to our spirits that we are the sons of God. If you have to be propped up by religion, you don't have the Savior. You don't have the Redeemer. Do you hear me today? If you have to be propped up by the by some kind of religious thing, then you you you're just trusting in the wrong thing anyway. Stop looking for human props and look to Jesus Christ. Look unto me and be saved all ends of the earth. Put your faith and your trust in Christ. He says stop trying to bring Christ down from above. Stop trying to bring Christ up from beneath and just believe the gospel the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart even the word of faith which we preach he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture saith whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed Hallelujah. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. So who does the calling here? Does the Lord call the sinner or does the sinner call the Lord? The Lord calls the sinner and the sinner calls back. Listen to me today. Grace reaches down from heaven. Faith reaches up from earth. And when the two meet at the cross of Calvary, a lost sinner becomes a saint. A lost, wayward um, son of the devil, child of the devil, becomes a joint heir with Christ. When grace reaches down from heaven and faith reaches up, they join at the cross and they mean eternal life for the one that believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Graceless faith and faithless grace all go to hell. We're saved by grace through faith. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there is that lost sinner calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. But the call of God to the lost sinner has already gone out. We're going to see that today. We're going to look at how the call of God has already gone out universally to the whole world. To the whole world. We're going to understand, and we do understand from yesterday, that those who scorn and scoff at the word of God and at the gospel do so because God has not illuminated it to their understanding or because they have resisted the Holy Ghost and reprobated. 
But the call of God has gone out universally to the whole world. That doesn't mean that the whole world is saved. They're not. Faith must reach up and take hold of the grace that God has sent upon the whole earth. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? That's what this is going to tell us right here. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? Some believe, some do not. Believers call on the Lord in faith because they believe. But how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, before we get further, if you think you can hold God hostage to the idea that the preached gospel isn't enough to save you, you may wake up in hell before you realize your grievous mistake. God calls, God's call comes most often through God's preachers. We have some instances in the Bible where God's call came separate from preachers, but guess what? Um, think of them for a second. Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus Christ said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? But Saul had been present through all the preaching of Stephen and had been resisting the preaching and God the whole God Jesus Christ the son of God God himself God in the flesh in his glorified body appeared to Saul and said Saul Saul it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks what was he saying it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He's saying, Saul, I am, I, am prick, I am cutting your heart, pricking your heart with the conviction of my Holy Ghost, and you keep resisting it, and you keep fighting it, and it's hard for thee, Paul, to kick against the pricks. No, he could have just written Paul off. He could have just turned Paul over to a reprobate mind, but he didn't because God had elected Paul. And that gets us right back into that thin ice of the reality that God knows whose are his. And he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow my call. Paul was one of God's sheep, but he sure didn't look like it. And he was fighting and resisting the drawing power of God and the call of God unto salvation. Paul had been there with a bunch of other people that all as a group had heard the call of God to salvation, but the call of God was continued and carried forward and increased in Paul's life until he bent. God didn't make Paul get saved. God just changed Paul's will so that Paul wanted to get saved. Do you hear me today? And God can do that, but he doesn't do it for everybody. And there's a deep warning in this because the preaching of the gospel with the anointing of the Holy Ghost is available to you. And if you will turn your back on and resist the Holy Ghost, then there may come a day where God will no longer deal with you. You say, well, if I'm truly elect, truly the called of God, he won't stop dealing with me. That attitude is the attitude of a reprobate. When his sheep hear his voice and they follow his call. Somebody that banks on the call of God to save them someday because they're one of the elect is showing that they are a vessel that is created to dishonor. Now, help us today, Lord. If you think you can hold God hostage, you may wake up in hell before you realize your grievous mistake. Just because you believe something doesn't mean God will honor it. Do you hear me today? Just because you believe something doesn't mean that God will honor it. 
How many people have driven by a God-sent preacher at an intersection in a city and felt a tug on their heart to listen, but they rolled up the window, turned up the music, looked the other way, and drove on? This is man's responsibility. On the one hand, we have God's sovereign will. On the other hand, we have God's permissive will. And in that permissive will, God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Now, God is sovereign, and God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. But not all men do. Not all men do. Those of you out there preaching that God always makes his will be done because he's sovereign and therefore everything that happens is God's will, you guys are heretics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you are. I want you to repent and believe the gospel and turn from that trash. That's heresy. You're making God the author of sin. God commanded all men everywhere to repent, but they don't repent. Why? Not because God makes them not repent, but because God doesn't chase them all down. Do you hear me today? God doesn't seek them all out of their depravity. And if someone gets saved, it's because God seeks them out of their depravity. And God calls them through the gospel, by our gospel. Listen to me today. We, we've got to stop making this thing something mysterious and weird where the call of God is some... What is the call of God? Let me just ask you that. Define it. What is the call of God? If you're going to go and tell somebody they've got to wait on God to call them, then you better be prepared biblically to explain that to them and show them what the call of God is so that they know how to wait for it. There is no instance or example in the Bible. There's no instance of instruction to a lost man that he is to wait on the call of God. It's not there. If it is, produce your evidence. Show it to me. Send me an email. Help me out. I need it. I do need help. And if I miss something, I want to see it. There's no instance in the Bible where a lost man is told to wait on God to call him. Instead, the lost man is told to respond to the call of God. And the call of God in the Bible is manifestly evidenced to be the gospel sent out in power. Now, the drawing of God and the operation of the Holy Spirit of God in the individual's heart and life to continue to compel them to hear the gospel is a mysterious work of Almighty God, of sovereign grace that goes far beyond the human understanding. And you better be careful before you try and apply the truths of those mysteries that we can barely even comprehend to the gospel that we're commanded to preach to all men. Now, um, we're moving on. He says here, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring glad tidings of good things. And then look at verse 16 here. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but they have not all obeyed our report. Now the, it says in verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Listen to me. There is a call of God that has gone out since the cross of Calvary. An open armed invitation. Whosoever will let him come. And it is is a call unto salvation that God has issued through the gospel 
and by which we are called by our gospel and we are commanded by God to preach the gospel as ambassadors for Christ, beseeching the world through Christ, by Christ, to be reconciled to God. It is our job to call the world to salvation through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the gospel. And when we do that, we are calling the world and it is the call of God. It's just coming through the lips of a foolish preacher. And that is the power of preaching. And that is the foolishness of preaching. All rolled into one. Listen to me. God does not condescend to personally visit every person and to shout in their ear the gospel himself. I was talking to a bike rider in Springfield, Missouri. And he was sitting there straddling his great big old bicycle. It was running and it was nearly deafening. And I tried to share him the gospel gospel of Jesus Christ and he sat there in his arrogance and his pride and he said if Jesus Christ is God let him come down right now and stand in front of me and show me that he's God and I'll believe and I told him if you if Jesus Christ came down right now and stood in front of you you would die and burn in hell forever because no man hath seen the Lord and lived and he's in his glorified resurrected body and his eyes are as a flame of fire and out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword that with the he should destroy the nations that stand against him. And I told him, sir, God loves you. And he's made a way for you to be saved through the belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're not going to believe his simple little servant who's standing here and telling you the gospel, you're not going to believe any other way. And you're going to die in your sins and you're going to burn in the lake of fire. And someday you're going to see that Lord that you just mocked. And he's going to stand before you. And you're going to stand before him, I told him. He'll be sitting before you, but you'll stand before him and give an account for what you said here today. This is what this whole passage is saying in Romans 10. Say not, who shall... Um, it says, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. You want God to do some kind of miracle. You're just like the scribes and Pharisees who said, how long makest thou us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. He had told them plainly. And you know what he told them? I told you already. And you know what he's going to tell you whenever you sit there in your obstinance and your obdurate rebellion against Almighty God? You've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're waiting on some kind of external call of God before you repent and seek the Lord and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is going to tell you, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. He's not going to come down to where you're at and do a little dance in front of you and put on a dog and pony show to to make you believe on the Lord and confess with your mouth God is sovereign and his call has gone out into all the earth the call of God unto salvation is present now in the earth the sound has gone forth into all the earth the word of God says stop waiting on your own little personal visitation from on high and move towards God 
Now, I do recognize and know that some people who have grieved the Holy Ghost, who have resisted the Holy Ghost, who have refused to move when the Holy Spirit said, come, some of those people will say, I can do nothing. I can't repent. I can't believe. That's because God says in his word, my spirit shall not always strive with thy spirit. And if you keep pushing God off, you'll end up in that condition where you cannot answer the call of God because you are so Um, Because God is resisting you and God has retracted his call from your life. Aside from that, there are some ignorant people who God has never illuminated to their need for a savior. And those people don't want to do anything and have no interest in doing anything. But if you're here today and you want to be saved and you desire to be saved and you understand that you are a sinner... Stop waiting and just go to God. Look unto me and be saved all ends of the earth. You say, that's not biblical. This is absolutely biblical. You're not biblical if you disagree with that. And I'll show you from the scripture. You show me, but I'll show you. Let's look here. And how shall they preach except they be sent? Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. It's obvious that the elect have obeyed the gospel, but equally obvious that the gospel in power was preached to all. As Sias saith, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And he goes on, but I say, have they not all heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words into the ends, unto the ends of the world. Israel is used as an example here in chapter 11 as people that resisted the Spirit of God, and he sent them a blindness, the Bible says. Look at verse 7 of chapter 11. What then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded according as it is written God hath given them the spirit of slumber eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day and David saith let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway now this fall is of people that God called and that refused and that would not come when God called and I've heard many testimonies of the like. I heard of one man when my dad started preaching, the deacon got saved after 40 years of deaconing. 40 years of deaconing. And he said that he'd pushed God away and pushed God away as a young man, and then God stopped dealing with him. And he said he was cold and dead, and he could not even, he could not even move towards God one bit. And when he tried to pray, his prayers were shut up. And he had no faith in him whatsoever until God visited him again, and then he moved. I heard also of a man, um, the preacher I sit under here, Liberty Faith Church, um, Pastor Edge Kelly said that there was a man everybody thought was saved in his church. And he would come and do good deeds at the church and help out with all the events. And then he was sitting in the hospital, and the pastor um, got a message. Pastor Edge got a message that the man had gotten saved. He had no idea the man wasn't saved. And he went down to the hospital and he said, did you get, he says, he says, you got saved? He says, yes, I did. He said, I didn't know you were lost. And the man said, you never asked me. He said, I knew I was lost. He said, but as a young man, when God was dealing with me, I pushed the Lord away and I wouldn't move. I wouldn't go to God. I wanted to have my fun and God stopped dealing with me and I couldn't move. And he said, I've been waiting all this time for God to deal with me again, and God finally dealt with me. 
listen, you be careful. Let Satan get you to treat your children like they're one of these. That's a special case. These are people that have resisted the Holy Ghost. But when you're dealing with especially a young child or a sinner on the street that's not even been um, truly preached the gospel to, you're dealing with someone that's basically ignorant. And the call of the gospel has already gone out to them. And it's your job to call them by our gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's your job. You say, oh, you're putting too much of a burden on people. No, I'm not. There's no burden in that. How do you call somebody by the gospel? You get filled with the Holy Ghost and obey God. That's all there is to it. There's nothing else to it. You don't have to do anything fancy. You just go and obey God full of the Holy Spirit, and God will speak through your mouth and call people to the gospel. That's what he wants, is witnesses who he can call the world to himself through. The call of God is by the gospel. The call of God is most often through a preacher of the gospel, though sometimes God will call someone outside of the church, usually after he's already dealt with them in the church, like Saul of Tarshish, who he dealt with through Stephen, and and Saul was fighting it. But God dealt with him separately outside of the church because he wouldn't come to the church, and God tracked him down. I thank God he can do that, don't you? Hallelujah. Don't let this call of God stuff fester you up against the Lord. Um, go to 2 Corinthians 1 through 2. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Wow, that's a powerful statement. He says, we beseech you that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Now, the grace is the desire and the power to do what is right. It's expressed in Philippians when he says, it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his own pleasure. That's grace. That's the grace of God. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. And here the Bible says that you can receive the grace of God in vain. Now, I know this doesn't fit with a lot of seminary teaching and a lot of catechisms, but throw that stuff in the trash and get yourself a good old Bible and read it and believe it. You don't need man's doctrines. You need God's doctrines. God condemns those that teach for doctrines the commandments of men. It says here, um, we... We beseech you, we then as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Now, how can that possibly be? Grace calls a sinner. Faith answers the call. And God saves the soul. Do you hear me today? Grace calls. And how does God grace call? Usually through the mouth of a preacher. I can't think of a time when it wasn't when there wasn't at least a preacher involved at some point, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Um, and a preacher, by the way, doesn't have to be some guy in a suit. It can be, you can preach the gospel as a witness, not in the church. As a schoolgirl, you can preach the gospel to your little friend on the swing set, if you know the gospel. That's a different kind of preaching than the preaching of a pastor, and it's um, completely appropriate and commanded by God. Grace calls, faith answers, God saves. He says, we then as workers together with him, with God, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. What's he saying? He's saying, don't ignore the grace of God that is drawing you to himself. When God deals with you and he's assuming that God is. By the way, that's our job. We've, we've, we've really gone off the deep end 
in our modern theology. We think that it's our job to assume, first of all, that everybody's saved. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible teaches us to assume everyone's lost and that you are guilty before God until proven innocent by fruits, by evidence of the gospel being lived out in your life. You are proven lost. My job is to assume you're lost. But then in dealing with that man, our job as a preacher is to get full of the Holy Ghost. Tarry ye in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high, and then ye shall be witnesses of me. And we're not going to look into that. You can look up Acts 1, 4, 1, 8, 2, 1 through 4. Look at Acts 5, 32 right now. You can look up those other references. Again, Acts 1, 4, and 8, 2, Acts 2, 1 through 4, and go to Acts 5, 32, and we'll see this, the call of God in the preaching of the Word of God manifested right here in Acts 5. Um, and we are His witnesses, it says, of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Did you hear that? We are... His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Now, if you are a preacher and lack the power, please just sit down and shut up. So many have run without being sent, and you do more harm than good, sir, if you preach the gospel without the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Cease from thine own works, get alone with God, um, spend time with God, seeking God, and until you are endued with power from on high, and then get up and stand and preach, and by all means do it, we need you. But until you get power from on high, everyone in this world would be better off if you would just shut up and take a seat. And that's the reality. God have mercy on me. I know I've done my share of preaching without the power, and the world would be better off if I just shut up and take a seat. This is absolutely key to the gospel. A dead, unempowered letter gospel kills its hearers and so instead of turning back to god for power we've substituted dog and pony shows we've substituted pray a prayer and repeat after me instead of the power and the holy ghost and the much assurance that the gospel's supposed to come in now we've got to serve ice cream and candy and hot dogs and we've got to get everybody to repeat a prayer so that we can put their name on a card and say goodbye because we're never going to see them again because they're never going to darken the door of a church again because they got their salvation immunization and they are immune to future calls of God because they'll say to God, I already responded. Every time God deals with them, even though they're lost, and when God tries to deal with them, they'll argue and resist because of the dog and pony show gospel that's been pawned on people. Now, um, it says here in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. When grace calls and you stiffen your neck, grace is received in vain. Everyone that goes to hell and subsequently the lake of fire will go to hell with the reality that they rejected the grace of Almighty God. Because God says in His word that the grace that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. There's a mysterious work of God within the call of God that God will not only call universally to everyone to repent and God will not only send out his gospel in power and convict every man that ever lived of his need for a savior which is what the Bible teaches that God does and therefore God's call goes out to some degree to every individual but God is not a man and he doesn't think like we do and God can choose to call someone multiple times or he can choose to call somebody once by his gospel beyond the universal application of the call. The call, the Bible says, the sound thereof of the word has gone 
into all the world. Most refuse to live in. Listen, look at 2 Corinthians 6, 2 as we wrap it up. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Did you hear what it says? So what are we getting at? How do we want to wrap this thing up about the call of God? We want to wrap it up with this message from the Lord right here. Now is the acceptable time. I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. Have I succored thee? Oh, oh, oh no. Is this the day of salvation? Can I get saved today? God didn't put that in your hands to worry about. Did you hear me? He says now is the accepted time. Today, it says, is the, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do you hear me? God didn't ask you to worry about whether or not he's calling you. God didn't ask you to worry about whether or not you're elect. God asked you to repent. And God says, now is the accepted day. Now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So my message to you and my appeal to you, if you're not saved, is to repent and believe the gospel and be saved today because God said so. If you don't respond to that, then I will know full well that that is because either you resisted the Holy Ghost or God was not dealing with you. Maybe you resisted the Holy Ghost before or maybe you're just ignorant in your sins and God hasn't dealt with you yet. So therefore, I'm not going to come and try and charge down your neck and try and force you to take the gospel pill so that I can put you on my roster as a soul saved. And that's my job, and that's my appeal to all Christian workers and service um, people who help at the altars, who help with soul winning and all these things. Stop trying to force the gospel pill down people's throat, okay? Our job is to sound out the gospel. Our job is to preach the gospel. Our job is to witness of the truth of the gospel and to do it with the anointing of the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. And if you don't even believe in that, you're not fit to preach the gospel. Go home. And I say that with love, and I say that if I can with humility. You probably don't think so, but I do. I mean it with all humility. You need to get full of God and the power of God and the love of God so that you can go out and sound out the gospel in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. And until you've got that, you need to seek God for that. Do everyone a favor. Do yourself a favor. And go home and seek God for that power until he gives it to you. Don't, and then to you that are lost, that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Remember that grace calls faith answers. Grace calls faith answers. It is up to you. Your salvation is up to you, but it is up to God. Salvation is of the Lord, but he will not save you unless you reach out in faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And when you do that, he will save you. And that could be today if you are willing because the bible says i have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have i succored thee behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation